Welcome to Yippie Classic. How's it going, guys? I'm Ralph Quartrucci. I'm John Paul Murphy. I'm Debbie Murphy. I'm John Quartrucci. I'm Drew Gould. And I'm Chris Coker. Well, hello, everybody. Have a good week. Good couple of weeks. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Any better, I'd be twins. Right. Well, we got a butte tonight brought by Sean. We'll mention yes. that movie in a little bit. But before yes. we get started, let's talk about what you watch. Let's start with Chris Coker. What'd you watch, Chris? Uh, you know, I uh, said... I went ahead and got a little uh, long term, and uh, I watched Once Upon a Time in America. Oh, it is uh, it is currently streaming on um, uh, Netflix. So I sat down and I did have to, I did watch it in stages, of course. How long is um, that one? So uh, like three hours and forty five minutes, I think, okay. somewhere in that neighborhood. Um, it is. Uh, it's funny because I I remember seeing the original cut of it when it was first out on videotape. And it was still a two tape set, even then. Uh, you know, I think they cut like a solid hour out of it. Um, and then I went back and I watched it again. And, uh, you know, it, it's one of those ones where I think that, uh, and I'm a huge Leone fan, Sergio Leone directed that picture. Um, it's a good solid movie, but, um, you know, it is one of those ones where uh, on that uh, occasional thing where you say, maybe, maybe the extra 70 minutes wasn't all necessary. <laughs> yeah. And I love long films. I love yeah. them. There were five minutes of the film that weren't necessary. The film has a has a tone, but did your version have that rape scene in it? Oh God, yeah. That yep, was like yep. totally out of the blue, totally uncharacteristic of the characters. It was like it just like destroys the movie in my opinion. Oh, I thought you were gonna say you loved it for that reason. <laughs> I mean, I enjoyed it, but it destroyed the movie. Oh. It's uh you know, I'm not sure that it is out of care out of character for his character. His uh character was you know, in the middle of the robbery, you know, and that one scene, he decides to take a, a minute and, um, rape. I mean, the girl he loves. Yeah, I know it, it was bad. Um, I think it was just a, I mean, in that moment when she basically says, Hey, I went out with you just to tell, you know, and he takes her out, he buys out the entire restaurant and all this kind of stuff. And for her to be like, Hey, I'm moving to Hollywood. Now, obviously nothing, uh, nothing, uh, excuses what he did next, but it was like, I could see, I could see his character had a violence, like an undercurrent of violence to it, that that he might do that. Um, but yeah, overall though, it's it's a, it's a it's a it's a really weird. But I did one of the things I like about that film is how it it bounces from like flashback within flashback. It, it just bounces around sequentially. I won't even call them flashbacks. Narratively, it bounces around sequentially, yeah, and that was kind of interesting. So let me ask you a question. Go ahead. Uh, okay, let me ask you a question because I haven't seen that movie in a long time. And, um, I think at the end, what I'm remembering is that James Woods, uh, he's the villain basically. He, um, takes his own life by jumping into a garbage truck. Is that, am I remembering that right? It's like he goes into the street and disappears. I didn't understand. I don't remember how it works. He disappears, but I think the story is, is that, you know, he had actually, he had become this other guy and became a politician and faked his own death kind of thing. And right. then what happens is at the end with the garbage truck is that he actually asks, you know, the, the De Niro character noodles to kill him, you know, oh, right. to kind of okay. put him out of his misery kind of thing. And he follows noodles when he won't do it. And noodles won't kill him. He follows him into the street and out of nowhere in the middle of the night, this garbage truck rolls up. And then all of a sudden, um, 
I mean, it was sitting outside. So I think what I'm, the idea is that the garbage truck rolls, passes by him, slows down, passes by James Woods, and then James Woods is gone. I think right. the implication is that guys jumped out and threw him into the garbage truck, which had these giant like screw type garbage oh, okay. disposal type things. So I think that's the, the implication that, um, he got, he, they were after him anyway and they got him and he was, he was never seen again. Yeah, Drew, I think you're confusing it with uh, Working Men with uh, Emilio Estevez and Charlie Sheen. Oh, yes. I think that's the movie you're thinking of. Working Men? Yeah, excellent movie. Men at Work. I'm sorry. No, that was a band. No, it's called Men at Work, too. It's it's also... Chris, don't ever correct me again. You're a little man on the totem pole. James Woods character would have better luck if he had asked Noodles to rape him. Well, okay. All right. So yeah, obviously, I knew, I knew, I knew Sean, it, you'd work that into it. Did he, yeah. did he shoot this like he shot once per time in the West? <laughs> Same idea with the close ups and all that, or was it less? I haven't seen oh, it all the way through. I can't even remember if I've ever I seen it. I love Once Upon a Time in the West. Yeah. I'm tolerable yeah. a, for most of Once Upon a Time in America. Yeah. Once Upon a Time in the West is one of those movies that, while it, it does have a three hour runtime, I think every part of it, even the lo- even like the 12 minute credit sequence at the beginning, which is essentially three guys waiting for a train. Yeah, that's an amazing. I think it's shot. yeah, and it. I just think that the way that he, I just, I think Leone was at the top of his game then, and I think he was on the downslide at mm. um, in uh, Once Upon a Time in America. However, I will say this: I think Leone directs extras better than anyone in the history of film. You ever look at the extras them. in a movie of his? They're all doing something, and mm. and not just standing around. They're great. Anyway, that's, awesome. all that's right. what I watched. Good one. Uh, Sean and Debbie. Well, we started watching. Debbie Debbie put on um, White Lotus. Mm-hmm. That's mm. been recommended. See, we yeah. always try to watch the stuff everyone's talking about. And Debbie was really getting into it. I, I was I, I was getting to it a little later than you. I was doing work and all. But it's, yeah, um, I liked it. Yeah, it's um very fascinating. At first, you know, in first episode, I was wondering, don't tell me if I'm wrong, if this is going to turn into haunts of the um, very rich. If you remember that made for TV movie where there, where all these rich people are really boorish and horrible. And they're at this um, resort, this car- this tropical resort. And it turns out they're all dead and in hell. Oh, that would be a good one. Wow. Spoilers. <laughs> yeah. Some bad stuff. Wait a out. minute. Oh. Is- no, but I think white orchid was more of a soap opera. Really? If you break that thing down, it's a soap <laughs> opera. Yeah. Uh, just, just slickly made and, uh, and, and some really good characters. I just read an exactly. article about the guy who, uh, played the lead, uh, the guy who ran the hotel. Mm-hmm. And he's been, you know, he's been, I guess he's been in soaps for a while, that guy. I've never seen him. Great. Is, is that a sequel to White Oleander or it's, it's just its own thing? I don't think it's black. Isn't there a black orchid too? Or what is, what's the one? Well, it's White there? Lotus. White, right. White Lotus. No, I don't know. You know the you know the director more than anybody, Drew, right? You know the guy. Did I we ever figure? Do you ever figure out the Ben Stiller movie he did? <laughs> that was no. homework. Oh, damn it! Uh, did, so you guys just liked? Was it just a like? Did you see all all the episodes? You watched no, the whole we're thing. We're about halfway through. Oh, oh, I'm glad I didn't say anything then. Oh my god! Yeah, please, the no spoilers. Okay. But if it turns out they're they're all dead and they're all in hell. I didn't want to say anything, but I predicted it first. That yeah, yeah, no, no. All right, uh, John, what did you watch? Uh, so I've been watching, uh, there's a show on Netflix called Lucifer. It started on Fox. Uh, it's now on Netflix after Fox canceled it. Uh, it's a show about the devil and God and angels. 
Uh, and Tom Ellis, the lead, is fantastic in this show. He's the reason why you watch the show. They have musical, like one episode is a complete music musical. Uh, the one I just watched last night, uh, he went into somebody's hell and it was animated like uh, Chuck Jones would have animated it. It was, it's really funny. It's a good show because what I love about it is it, it does poke fun at religion, but it doesn't do it in a nasty way so that if you are someone who does believe that they approach it respectfully, but he is fantastic in it. Uh, it's, this is the final season, the sixth season. Um, and it really ended up on Netflix because of a write-in campaign from the fans of the show on Fox. And it's just really well done. The cast is really good in it, but he is the reason why you watch it. He's so good in the show and he's very, very talented. He sings a lot in it. Uh, he dances, uh, but he, pl- he plays the devil in such a great way. And, uh, if you get a chance, uh, watch it. And I think there's like 10 episodes per season, right around there, 10 to 12. So it's not a, it's not a big stretch to watch it, but if you so get a chance, many seasons that they do of it on, um, Netflix. Uh, they had, I think it was three seasons and they've done three on Netflix. And you can tell the, you know, I mean, every now and then you see someone's butt or they're swearing a little bit more, but that's the only difference between the Netflix show and the show that was on Fox. It's not like they, you know, it's an R-rated show. It's nothing like that, but it's just, it's just well done. How do they poke fun, but not make you feel like they're, because I know you reacted to um, dogma that they were poking fun and you didn't appreciate it. How are they poking fun at religion? Well, they, they, and it's not how people, how people, uh, what they believe in, what they think of as an angel. You know, they always play with that. The devil itself, right? Right. That the devil is a person. Uh, they, they go after, uh, God, God is kind of dysfunctional. His father, the devil's father is God. So they, they, it's like a dysfunctional family. So they go after it like that, but they're never mean about it. They never, uh, they never, what's the word I want to say? Um, if you believe they've got, no problem with that. You get what I'm saying? You know, yeah. so to me, it's done in a respectful way. Um, so I think, if, uh, you know, someone who, who believes and is, uh, believes in God won't be offended by, not this. be offended by the show. No, they might okay. be offended by some things, but, right. but again, I think for the most part, they, and they really take it seriously with all the angels' names and everything and the mythology of uh, uh, angels falling down from heaven and going to hell. So it's, it's, uh, it's actually, and it's a great, and like I said, he's great in it. He is great in this show. He is wonderful character and does a great job. So check it out. You know, I haven't, I haven't watched that yet. That's on my list. And because of your recommendation, I'll bump it up. But one of the reasons that it's on my list, um, there's uh, an actress named Inbar Lavi. She's an Israeli woman. She plays Eve in Lucifer. Yes. And she's wonderful. Yeah. And before she did Lucifer, she did a show that, um, I believe it ended up on Netflix. It wasn't, I don't think a Netflix original called Imposters, which is fantastic, especially if you like her about, what might be a con woman going through different marriages. And it is just incredibly entertaining and a great mystery. And if you've seen Lucifer, you know how great she is. Yeah, she's very good. She's very good in the show. Yeah. And she's actual Eve, Adam and Eve. She is Eve. Oh, okay. Yeah. So she really is Eve. So it's at, you know, anyway, that's it. Well, there you go. Drew, what do you got? Well, uh, I have two things. One is a warning. One is a recommendation. (laughs) One's... (laughs) Uh, I started watching Nine Perfect Strangers on Hulu. It's like a prestige TV checklist. It's from a famous author. It's got all these big stars. It's that Nicole Kidman? Yep. It looks expensive. It's got a number of people in it that I really like, like Nicole Kidman and Luke Evans and um, a bunch of people from different Text projects, me. like The Good Place and stuff. But um, 
in the middle of episode three, Hulu stopped playing it. And I had to reset my uh, fire TV a couple of times. And then I finished watching it. And then another time, same thing happened in four. And then it happened again in five. So I stopped watching because it can't be good if Hulu doesn't want me to watch their own show. And I have avoided spoilers and everything. But if Hulu is saying, please don't waste your time watching the show, which wasn't great, but I mean, I, you know, I was curious. So, um, I, it's not, it's not a blood red sky type of warning, but you should skip nine perfect strangers unless you want to watch it in pieces. Uh, cause I guess Hulu doesn't want you to watch it. What I do want to recommend is uh, a podcast. Uh, it's called balls deep. It is. <laughs> Hosted by Ariel Kaplan and Rachel Waynes, um, two uh, really very funny, talented, smart women. And they talk about sex and sexual topics, both personal and political. They've done, I think, 37, 37 episodes. Uh, they're available on all the different services, iTunes and, and Google and Stitcher and all those things. And their most recent episode, it comes out every Friday, uh, is called um, Balls Deep in Abortion, F.U. Texas. And it's a really well-researched look at what is happening to abortion in this country right now, the history of abortion internationally and in America, who gets uh, abortions, why they get abortions, what's the story of the, the legal battles and everything. And it's also really funny, which doesn't sound possible. So I recommend highly uh, Balls Deep. Um, Ariel's Laugh Alone is perfect. And I think you guys would enjoy that show. Awesome. Hey, there is one more thing. There was something Debbie and I saw. I forgot, I forgot to mention is Fall Guy. We did, we decided to go like our first adult movie. No, Free Guy. Free Guy. Sorry, Free Guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was like, Lee Majors? Oh, All right. How was Free Guy? Fantastic. It was really, it was really oh, good. Oh, my gosh. It was great being in a theme. We'd yeah. gone to children's movies. We'd take the kids and there's yeah. like, there's like eight people in the entire theater and yeah. we're like six of them, you know, and, um, so it was nice going to an adult movie. You know, it was really funny. It's a good idea. Um, we're going to let the grandkids see it. I don't know what it's rated PG-13 or one, there's, there's one or two bad words. Bad but, words but, but they uh, love gaming. You know, they love gaming and they watch gaming gamers, videos. And I'm watching the gamers game. You know, you know, they do that. It's just so crazy. And Ryan Reynolds is always. Yeah, I like Ryan Reynolds. He's good in everything. Yeah. So in bad uh, movies. Yeah, but he's always playing Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, that's him. He's good at that's that. Yeah. I know, but it's yeah. That's I mean, I love him. I'm not even complaining. So is Brad Pitt. I mean, Brad Pitt always no, plays Brad. That's Pitt. not true. No, he doesn't. Yeah. That's yeah. not true. Yeah, yeah. Take uh, your shirt off, Brad. All right. Oh, uh, any more, Sean and Debbie? Before I move to mine, or are we? No, no, sorry, oh, we sorry, just wanted to. Sorry. Oh, that sounded a little sarcastic just then, Rob. Wait <laughs> that a was, minute. No, I'm gonna lean back. Go ahead, Rob. That wasn't. That wasn't a little sarcastic. <laughs> that was a lot sarcastic. Um, I'm gonna. Rec I'm not gonna recommend this, but I saw this film. I think it was on Netflix, uh, directed by James Wan, called *Malignant*. Oh yeah. Oh, the new that? horror movie. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna cross pollinate to *Movie Strange*. We did a show on that uh, called *Basket Case*, and mm. this is sort of a watered down cousin of *Basket Case*. Oh. Okay. And if you know anything about *Basket Case*, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, it's okay. I mean, it's James Wan, so you figure, you know, he's the guy who did the first Saw, and he does the Insidious Aquaman. and all that stuff. I didn't know that. Oh yeah, because I don't care. Um, and uh, about Aquaman, uh, it's okay. It's it's uh it 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 has a twist, and if you've seen Basket Case, you you probably already know. But it really follows the same the line that Basket Case followed. So if you know that, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, it's okay. Uh, it's not as scary as they kind of make it out to be, uh, but it's fun to watch. 
it's sort of a low one low, to ten. You'd give it a five. Okay, middle of the road. Middle of the I road. Heard about it. I thought it was in the theaters. It's not. In it's, the it's, I think it's both. It I think it's both. Yeah, it's I both. mean, I, 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 I hung to. I was going to get out of it because I was kind of bored by it. But it does something about three quarters of the way through um, that I should have seen coming from a mile away. And once it did that, it was kind of okay. That's why it went from a like a three to a five. But it never went beyond the five. Um, but anyway, were you able to stay awake through the whole thing? I did stay. You didn't. <laughs> Unlike this. That's unlike the good. film, unlike yeah. the film we're about to talk about, uh, definitely I stayed awake through m- malignant. Uh, and speaking of the well, film, a precursor right, right there. Sean won the, won the turn and, uh, he's yeah. bringing a film to the table. Yeah. Sean, what's the film? We know it based on what's behind me right here. What's Ooh, the film? It is, uh, 1987's Wings of Desire. What is it? Our Himmel. Uber. Der Himmel über Berlin. Well, here we can watch. I'll show the trailer real quick. There's no, uh, there's no talking on the trailer. It's all just kind of like the movie. I want to show this because it has the um, title at the end that Sean was just trying to. Do you know that was the director's girlfriend? Really? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. What does that mean, Der Himmel over Berlin? Angels over Berlin or what? No, it's the heaven. 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 Heaven over Berlin, or it's translated more literally. It could also be the sky over Berlin, but it's heaven. Himmel's okay. heaven. Mein Gott and Himmel. All right, and then I just want to show one more quote before you go on, and that's um, this quote. When, when the, the child, child was, a child, was a child, it didn't know it was a child. To it, everything had a, a soul, and all souls were one. one. All right, try to explain this film. Oh, it's a fabulous film. You know, I love it's about. Yeah, but try to explain. It's actually about two angels. You would never know their names if their names didn't appear in the credits. You know, one is, um, what's it? Ga- uh, Gamiel, you know, or Gamiel. No, Gamiel, Gamiel you know, um, and Bruno Gantz. And another mm-hmm. one is played by Otto Sander is Cassiel. And, um, and they're angels and they're, what they are essentially are watchers. And they're watching over the divided city of Berlin. 
at a pivotal time in Berlin's history, you know. Uh, it's a city of change. It's a city that's been destroyed and it's being rebuilt and it's. Yeah, this was shot a couple of years before the wall went down, right? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, it's, um, and the angels are seeing, and, it, and I think it's fabulous. The angels see the world in black and white mm-hmm. and because they don't, and they don't experience it. And, you know, what I really love about it is this idea that they, they're just, they're watching and they have the ability to encourage people. You know, like if someone's upset, they can go over and put a, a hand on their shoulder or put their head next to them or something, you know, in order to encourage. But mostly they watch and they're and they're trapped in eternity. And there's, a, I think, a great scene where you see their perspective of things. They're standing by a river and they're talking about how, what it looks like now. But then it's like, oh, do you remember when these two stags fought here, which would have been thousands of years ago? And to them, that memory seems uh, as almost as vivid and real as to what they're experiencing now, you know, because they say later, yes, and that was, and then years later, the first men came to this area, you know, so it's just these two, it's just these two angels. And one of them, the star angel, Bruno Gantz, who's, in my opinion, is fantastic. He has a very empathetic face. Um, he, he starts following a trapeze artist. You know, played by the director's wife as, um, or girlfriend, girlfriend, I think, girlfriend, I think, yeah, pointed out. Girlfriend, and he becomes obsessed with her. And, um, the other angel, Otto Sander, he follows around an old storyteller who's trying to find purpose in life and trying to see if the stories he told are of value. And he's trying to see things that have disappeared in Berlin. You know, he's wandering around Berlin looking, looking for the old things that are gone. And, um, and also you have a, this strange American actor in the film, you know, Peter Falk. Peter Falk. That's strange. And, Everybody you know, knew him as yeah, Columbo. No, I mean, I mean, it's strange that they would put Peter Falk in this yeah. film. You yeah. think they're just doing it because they want to put an American actor in. But then it turns out that Peter Falk has a, you know, a, um, a history in this film, you know, and he plays a very pivotal part in, in the film. Are you but, trying to avoid a spoiler, Sean, for a movie? Okay, from- I, okay. it's a hundred, you know, the film's 150 years old. Peter Falk was an angel himself. Right. And he's like always trying to lure the other, other angels. Like he'll be standing at like a, at a, like a hot dog stand for lack of a better word. And he'll sense an angel there and he'll start talking to it. It's like, Oh, this coffee. You should taste it. It's great. And I know you're And one there. thing is, but yeah. I, yeah, it's like, I know you're there. I, I, I can feel there. you. I can't see you, but I can feel you. And, oh, this coffee's great. And you smoking is great. If you could do them both together. <laughs> live like together. this. Live life. You got to live yeah. life. Yeah. So, he, you know, so Bruno isn't taking, doesn't need much encouragement because he has fallen in love with this woman. And he's tired of the endless watching, you know, and. The angels all seem, it's funny because the, the angels, well, obviously they would all know each other in that area because they've been there for thousands of years. I always like it when they go to the library, which is sort of like a gathering place for them. You know, there are male angels and female Beautiful angels. scenes in that line. That's yeah. the thing. That's the, 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 the cinematography in this film. Yeah, and the yeah, cinematographer and the- is a very famous um, European photographer, um, cinematographer. He did a lot of um, great French films. He even did Roman mm-hmm. Holiday. So he had like a, now Chris is probably talking about this because I think you, you watched a lot of Criterion on this one. 
Uh, yeah, I went, I went pretty deep on this yeah. one, fellas. Cause he had that cinematographer had like an 80 year old lighting assistant. Yeah. Who yeah. All the young, he, all the young guys were like, how are these guys going to do this? And that's all lit with like natural light and the way they hid lights. And it's just beautiful. Yeah. And it is, it, you know, and I, I know why you're not going to like this film, Ralph, but it, you know, I, what are you talking you, about? Well, I have just have a feeling, <laughs> you know, a lot of people use the term lyrical to describe a film. This is like literally a lyrical film. It's like, yeah, it's like a tone poem, yeah. you know, and you have, you know, you have to be in the mood for it. I remember when this came out, you know, the audience, you know, the people I knew who saw it were very mixed. They either loved this movie or like, oh, you hate, you know, what's all this, you know, there's a bullshit talking, you know, like about like what you showed the child is a child or yeah. a child, you know, it's like, come on, you know, yeah. who, who could sit through that? You know, and it's a long movie and it's, and it's slow moving, but you know, to me, it's just, it's, it's a beautiful, immersive experience. You know, I, I could watch this film over and over. I, I was talking to Ralph and, you know, I couldn't find my DVD of it, but, um, so I had to watch it on HBO max, but I was actually hoping to find my DVD so I could turn off the subtitles because I took three years of German. And that was a long time ago. But when I saw it in the theaters, halfway through the film, I didn't need subtitles anymore because I was immersed enough in it that I was, um, I was taking it, taking the language as it was. But, um, I don't know that that was many years ago. I don't know. I think what German I have is mostly lost. You know, I could speak the kind of German you'll find in Kelly's Heroes or something, you know, <laughs> or maybe, where they have like a couple lines of German here and there. I'm like, yeah, I knew that, you know, but, um, this film, there's some rather esoteric terms for me to um, comprehend at this at this level. Well, so and uh, but aside, you know, another thing, just for people, most of the films in black and white because the angel's perspective is always black and white, and to me, that's the most beautiful part of the film. But the color is really good too. When you go to the human side, really the good. color and and you know, there's some really rich, beautiful color, and, and I think as Ralph said, it's mostly natural. But, you know, it's, you know, it's really. Well, even in the darks, the, uh, in the, in the, at the movie set, those scenes where he's shooting in, in the dark, I mean, they just went from, there's a palette of grays, blacks, and whites. It's just throughout the whole thing. I mean, I lost it on the laser disc. You can't see that on the laser disc. But when I went and I actually signed up for the Criterion, uh, package because of this film, because I wanted to, I wanted, because they have a whole series of stuff on this film. Um, but I, I don't know why you didn't. Th- I saw this as a, as a younger person, and loved it. <laughs> I have to admit, when I watched it now, I was a little bit like, "Oh my god, this is going on." But I got totally ob- obsessed with the technical aspect of it, and the way he shot it. I watched a documentary about the process he went through to shoot this film, and to say I didn't like it, would I do this if I didn't like it? Come on, I mean, right? I love this film. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. This film is wow. amazing. Okay. Is now, <laughs> it was a little pretentious, right? All the, all the whispering. But oh, what I loved about it, he didn't have any of that when he was shooting it. That was all being written while he was shooting the film. Chris, I won't take away your, your deep dive you did, but Vim, there's no bigger proponent of this film than Vim Vendors. I mean, that guy loves this film. 
Uh, he actually did a sequel, maybe one or two sequels. I think he did after I've this one. Sequels. It says to be continued at the end. There's yeah, one called yeah. Far Away So Close. Far Away So Close. Same the people in there. They're all in it. And as a matter of mm-hmm. fact, Otto plays an angel. I don't know if Bruno Ganz does in that one, but no, I think Bruno Ganz is back as the character who's now human, and he's trying to uh, convince the other angel, uh, just as Peter Falk did for him. Um, that's and that's the trigger. And I haven't I haven't seen it, but it sounds like. Um, uh, beneath the planet of the apes where it's basically the same movie but you have a different actor playing the same story except it's yeah it's it like looks a little stop being an angel stop you know it, it looks like they indulge themselves in some other stuff too i was watching some of it on youtube and it looks like he overindulged in some things so, uh you, you you talk about the c- black and white to color there's that scene where bruno becomes a human being yeah. and first of all he tastes the blood and then he asks that guy about all the colors he's seeing on the wall behind him which is just Gorgeous. I mean, just the idea of what what he was doing there. Now, there's a scene where Bruno grabs a pencil in the library. Yeah. So they, as angels, they could still cross into the. Well, human. no, he didn't really grab it. He like grabbed it. it was like an imaginary pencil. But he was carrying yeah. it around. Yeah, so that's all imaginary, I guess. Yeah, I got it's a, like I, it wasn't the real thing. Right. Yeah, you saw like spirit the, kind of come out of the pencil. Of the, pencil. Right? He was the spirit of the pencil, right? And the okay. rock from the girl's and the uh, rock trailer from her yeah. from her right. trailer exactly. Right. Yeah. Uh, her dressing but room. The, the way Vim Vendors described shooting this film in the process was just an amazing thing for me, the way he worked with the author to come up. And even Peter Falk had to ad lib right. that thing he did on the airplane, uh, his thoughts that were going on. And and I was going to say, before I let anybody else talk, the turning point for me in this film is when I figured out when when he says that Peter Falk was, was an angel. Because my accessibility into this film, I think, was Peter Falk, probably as I was younger, because I loved Columbo. I thought Peter Falk was a great Lovely. actor. I saw the in-laws, you know, I was just obsessed yeah. with that guy. And to have him in this film is what got me into the film. And then to have him actually be one of the angels, I thought was just pretty, pretty wild. So I, I, I really enjoyed yeah. it. Although, yeah, it was, it's long and it's, you know, you really got to just say, okay, I'm going for it. Uh, and just let it happen. Let it wash over you. It's well, beautiful. The movie, the, what I love about this movie is sort of like slow and moody and beautiful. You know, if you've ever been in a mood, a bad mood or a sad mood, it's always good when it's raining because it adds to it. It's a certain great feeling about getting depressed. But when he becomes alive, that is like the turning point when he becomes not alive, a human being Mm -hmm. or has a mortal body, mortal body. Right. Thanks. And um, that is when the movie just breaks into another another dimension you know and because he's breaking into a, another dimension so that's what's thr- i thought it was like very fantastic at that point loved it loved that part i was actually kind of worried because the circus was leaving and if you notice the yeah. circus was named after the cinematographer right yeah and um i'm like oh no he he makes this sacrifice and he'll never find her right but yeah. i think i think his friend was going to help him find her no matter what you know, so it's amazing. The documentary I watched had the guy who directed the American version, mm-hmm. uh, City of Angels, City of Angels, and it's like he's he's talking a few, you know, he's just beautiful talk about the Vim Vendors film, and then he went and created the thing that he. And I've, I I don't think I've ever seen that one all the way through, but I just don't think it has the same vibe as this one. Oh, I I really didn't like really? the American version. No. I yeah. see it again. You do get I mean, to see Dennis Franz's butt on the big screen as opposed to NYPD Blue, so right. it does yeah, offer a little bit of a different Dennis experience. Oh, that's great. Yeah. 
Well, it's All like, right. I mean, one of the things that probably the biggest issue I had with City of Angels and one of the things that I love about Wings of Desire is that in City of Angels, you know, um, Nicholas Cage's angel is able to interact with people before making any decision. He knows Meg Ryan. He falls in love with Meg Ryan. She falls in love with him. There is absolutely no risk when he decides to become a human being. And then, of course, at the end of City of Angels, the American one, they just decide kind of out of the blue to have Meg Ryan die in an accident in some kind of, in my, in my opinion, really pathetic attempt to give it some gravitas. Um, there's, there's few films I dislike more than City of Angels. The only good thing about City of Angels is um, Andre Brower as Cassiel, He's his friend. He's very good. Yeah. My, um, I also, um, <laughs> I actually own Far Away So Close and rewatched it before this as well. So I'll get into that a little later. But, um, Sean, you couldn't have picked a better movie for me, honestly. Uh, just another excuse for me to sit down and watch this thing from beginning to end. Um, it's one of those movies that, uh, I put up there as like one of the, uh, and, and some people look down on this, but, uh, they'll probably say, okay, that, that's tracks, but this is a, one of the true quintessential art house films. I mean, this is one of those, foreign art house movies it's not just a foreign film but a foreign art house film that i really put up there i i put it right up there along with you know breathless or the 400 blows uh by Truffaut. um it is probably one of my top two foreign films of all time along with uh chungking express by Wong Kar Wai. is das boot um, on that list it's a beautiful film i love das boot it's great it's fantastic but it's yeah. not das boot's not an art house film I no, oh, see, I see. Art House. You yeah, mean, Art is House what I mean is, film. but I mean, okay. Das Boot is a, is a great film. It's, it's, yeah, no, realistic, I it's powerful. It's yeah. all of those things. But this movie, what I love about it is I love the way that I felt like it balanced, um, you know, the character of, um, great, now Marion, the, the trapeze artist, you know, and her kind of her loneliness and her, you know, her vague sense of, you know, ennui, whatever, whatever you want to call it. And then, but the same thing that was kind of happening with, the, the Bruno Gans character, you know, he, and I, and I love the way that, you know, they give you enough time to kind of settle into what the life or what the existence of an angel is like this eternal watching, this eternal observing, um, trying to help out. You know, there's that great scene where he puts one of them, I forget which one puts his hand on the shoulder of a guy on the subway and he goes, you know what? I can pull myself around. But then there's the other part where the guy, he tries the same thing and he jumps off the side of the building, you know, so it's not always a win. Um, but then when he's talking, he's like, you know, I just want to shout. You know, I'd rather turn my life in for this eternal saying nothing but yes and amen, you know, to just be a shout in the existence of their time. His life would be nothing more than a shout. And he's like to lie through my teeth. And the, his 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 performance is so affecting, at least to me, that I could get that. You can kind of feel that giddiness. And, you know, there's that great scene where he's talking about all these great things that are going to happen when they're on the east side of the wall, the eastern Berlin side of the wall. And then Otto says to him, um, or Castile says to him, and none of it's true. You know, and it gives you this moment and you're like, he's never going to find this lady. It's going to end like like this kind of depressing German film. And he's never going to find her. And uh, then he does. And, it, and the, transform- well, but the transformation on the east side of the wall, Castile's like, it's not going to happen. Because yeah. he doesn't believe his friend is actually going to do it. And then there's, there's the color, and he looks, and he sees that his friend was leaving footprints. Yeah. Yes. You know, and yeah. he's lucky so he was great. talking to his friend, or he would have been in a pretty bad place there. You know? Yeah. yeah. You know, getting him out to the west side of the wall. 
I just wonder, and we'll let John and Drew talk in a sec. The, uh, he picks this one woman. He's been walking around for eternity. And the trapeze artist is the one he picks, which, you know, uh, what's that saying? What is that telling She's very limber. Obviously. What's that? She wore wings. Oh, maybe. Right. Yeah. Right. I forgot. Okay. Pliable. Did you uh, enjoy this one? I knew that he was going to call on me next. The question is, how do I respond? Uh. I respect Sean and his taste in movies, so I want to say this the right way. The film was beautifully shot and had an ethereal quality to it, but I did find parts of it slow and ponderous. How do I say that without offending Sean? I'm going to have to tread carefully on this one. Here it goes. Well, Ralph, it's funny you should ask. I found this movie to be... uh, (laughs) You know, uh, this movie, this was interesting for me. First of all, I thought it was a beautiful movie. Uh, when I looked at Berlin and I always say, I, I like to see something I haven't seen before. And I really haven't seen that. And for me, what I found striking was as bleak as everything looked in black and white, it was amazing when they went to color, how bright the city became with all that burst of color. So I really liked that. I, I found it. Uh, I thought it was too long. I thought uh, the, all the scenes with that band could have been cut to a minute and would have accomplished the Nick same Cave. thing. Nick they Cave. They stayed on that forever. Yeah. Um, um, it was the time. They yeah. Well, it might have been, but it was. It made the movie too long. Uh, uh, there was really there wasn't much of a plot to it. I loved that Peter Falk ended up being an angel. I thought that was interesting. I didn't see that coming. You know, at the beginning. And uh, I thought the performances were, were, were excellent. And, um, but I have to say there were times when I'm like, Jesus, I'm looking at my watch. I'm going, I just want this thing to get moving. Just something just, it was just, it just took too long to get going. Uh, it picked up for me when, when he took the plunge and you know, that one scene where he's walking down the street and the camera's following him the whole way down the street i thought that was interesting um i it's not that i did not like it i did like it um but it didn't like bowl me over you know i I read you read all the reviews on it and everyone this is the greatest film ever made blah 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 and from an uh uh, from a um like an art house movie yeah i can understand that from a and everyone knows my thing i like to be entertained in a movie yeah it was it was good i enjoyed it for what it was I wasn't bowled over by it. I didn't go, wow, I'm so glad that I saw that movie. Um, that, that was, you know, I liked it, though. I mean, I did like it. I, I was very interesting. I thought, like Ralph said, technically, I thought it was a beautiful, beautifully shot movie. Um, so that's my opinion. I mean, it. is the point well, also you like the um, what do you think? Did you see the Nick Cage one? Yeah. Did you like that better? Well, I, I'll tell you, I, I, I liked it in a different way, but I didn't like the ending of that one. That was just so bleak. Um, but uh, it was okay. It wasn't, I mean, it wasn't a great movie, but I did see it. And and I don't remember thinking, oh, this movie's awful. I remember having a visceral reaction to the ending of that movie because I love Meg Ryan at that time. She's, you know, and to see her hit by a truck and all mangled and he's got that innocent doughy look on his face. Uh, that I didn't like. But, uh, you know, visually, like I said, this movie, when, when he's up on the, the tower there with the angel, they're standing up there. It was just just beautiful, just beautiful to see it. 
But, you know, it was kind of plodding to me. It was just took too long for something to happen. Well, let me ask you a question, Jim, Yeah, if I may. You may. I really liked your pondering that you did before you Well, I, I just like to always bring something a little extra, you know. Yeah. It's a good bit. Did you work out that bit with Ralph first? No, no. Ralph knew nothing about it. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. That's John's favorite kind of bit, and it, it that was went well today. Good job. <laughs> Whoopsie. Never, uh, super easy. Super, super easy. Never. Go ahead, Deb. I was going to ask you this question. Yeah. Uh, you know, during the movie, I know you're a believer in, yeah. in angels, and did not it make you want to connect with an angel? Did you, after seeing this movie, like say, okay, I know you're here? Uh, you know, that's interesting. You, uh, I don't know if I thought that, but now that you say that, you always wonder if uh, someone's looking over your shoulder when things are going on, good, bad, or indifferent. Sometimes I like to think Look that. At I like your to brother. Look at your brother. He's the angel. Listen, listen. Let me tell you something about my brother, Ralph. He should not be wearing wings, okay? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Ralph should not be wearing angel wings. No, here's what I got. I didn't get the message. I mean, I understand that guardian angel growing up someone's always looking which is part of the problem but um what i got what they found precious other than helping people it was the little moments in life that they were they were fascinated by little tiny little things that go on in every everybody's life uh simple little things and i think that's sort of the message of the film which is life is precious everything matters yes there's bigger issues one guy gets in a car accident that he has to hold one guy jumps off the 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 building like Chris was saying, um, but I, to me Remember it was his these- reaction to that. He his reaction to that. He touched him just as he was going over, so well, he, he touched felt him something because he screamed. I mean, yeah, he, he went t- no, and that yeah, was the yeah. first sign of emotion any right. of those angels showed. Well, he touched him before he jumped, and the guy still jumped. Yeah, right. Well, he put uh, his he, hand on him. He did the first time when he went when he jumped, and you thought he jumped, and right. it was only a five foot drop or whatever yeah. it was. So. But the second time, yeah, maybe he thought he could talk him out of it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Or think him out. I don't know what the angel rules are. Right. Uh, Drew. Anything? Well, I, I saw this in college, I guess. Um, maybe even for a class. I, I didn't really remember it. And, um, I've seen a bunch of, uh, Vin Bender's stuff and his movies are generally very beautiful and I don't connect with them very much emotionally. I will say it's beautifully shot. Uh, the sweeping views of, of divided Berlin, which is another version of Berlin that doesn't exist anymore. This is one of the great human cities with, you know, lots and lots of history. And, uh, I'll remind you that it's also the setting, this Berlin, uh, for the movie possession featured in episode five of movie strange. Yeah. I was just, which has that. already been seen yeah. by 12,000 people. And you wow. could be our 300th subscriber if you go and check out that channel now. Oh, but also I feel like if you, if you watch this movie, you're, you're watching these, um, these characters, these angels, all they can do is observe and record other people's minds and lives. You don't ever have your own life and you're awash in, um, the inanity of, inanity of, um, everybody else's thoughts. My thoughts aren't so exciting all the time and they have to listen to all of these things. And I feel like that would be. A, a feeling for the angels, the closest they would get to a feeling, which is what I think drives Bruno Ganz's character in this film. It would be um, inertia, boredom, aimlessness. And that is what this movie delivered for me as a viewer. Um, it really put me inside of that. And um, the only part that really got me uh, to have an emotional reaction is the scene in her home, uh, that sad little trailer 
where it goes to full color. Now this one, best director at Cannes. Um, and, uh, you know, at, at Cannes, you watch movies at the Palais du Cinema, which is thousands of seats is giant, you know, ornate building. And I, I could, I could imagine the gasp when that first happened. It's the first time that it goes to color. It, this is beautiful woman. It's this, this is really, you know, amazing moment. And then it takes it back into black and white. So you remember that, like, that's kind of neat. But, um, the other problem that I had with this movie, uh, when you think about the different ways that people tell stories in movies, I have one that is far and away the least favorite. This, you know, competent, competent filmmaking and all that sort of stuff. Like there's no question that this is made by professionals who know what they're doing. I hate voiceover so much. And this entire movie is essentially voiceover. And then when characters talk, they have the same tone and cadence that they had in the as voiceover. their thoughts. As their thoughts, yeah. So that actually really just a personal. Uh, uh, I mean, that's this is not a this is a this is I think Sean mentioned it's a poem. This whole movie's a poem. And in that last scene, you're right in the bar when they're in color and Bruno's human and the he meets he finally meets up with his the girl he's in love with and she does the monologue. She's spouting the same right, right. Yeah. You might as well close your eyes and just listen right. to what she's saying. Yeah, I mean, I admit, I it I did not expect. I didn't remember how the movie ended. I remember very vividly how City of Angels ended and that I thought it was very dumb. But um, it, it had a surprisingly happy ending that he found her. Yeah. Um, which reminded me of the movie Carol. I don't know if you guys saw that Todd Haynes movie with uh, Rooney Mara and Kate Blanchett. And that movie appears to be heading towards the doom of this relationship between these two women in mid-century America. And then the ending is so beautiful and surprisingly happy. I like, I, my heart just soared to watch it. And that's the exact opposite of what I experienced here. I was like, why is she still talking? She's telling me things that I think would be nice to feel watching this movie, but she's just talking flatly well, and know, it just funny, it just really funny. never connected with I, yeah me. i that read can, one critic it. who said that in this movie the angels breathe in our angst angst the way that we breathe in smog you know so it would be you know if you look at the characters like that they're just hearing these inner monologues you know and you could see why they would be interested in the small little things you know because you know it's like it is like a huge um you know, a huge model. And there there is a little voiceover. Is that a spoiler? And Debbie, yeah. why do why do child why are children able to see angels? I don't know, but I know they do. And it's be I think it's great that the kids see them. And when he's sitting at the circus watching the um trapeze artist, the kids just, you know, it's always looking over at him. It's like yeah. it just assumes he's just an adult sitting hey, there watching. Have you and have has anybody ever witnessed a little infant watching the angels? Has anybody seen that? Uh no. Yeah, Does something. anybody have okay, here's a here's a like a little Somebody baby. get a baby. Let's try it out. Somebody get a baby. And uh, I'm about to have I just uh, take that baby outside in a nice, nice weather when there's not, you know, the baby's going to be happy. It's going to be nice and warm or not too warm, but perfect. Take them outside, lay them on the blanket and not a cloudy, not a, not a sunshiny day, but under like you don't want to blind them and just watch them. Just watch them look at the sky. They did that scene in the witch and the baby got taken away. I love that um, movie. I don't think that baby was on Debbie a blanket. Watched, Debbie watched about <laughs> 14 seconds of The Witch. Yeah, you can't. Listen, listen. 
as a if you're a believer, I can understand the idea that that you think someone that an angel actually has their hand on your shoulder. I appreciate that. That's great. If, but as a regular moviegoer like Drew or anybody, you really got to get you really just got to buy into the 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 just what's going on. You just the art of the film. If you don't yeah. buy into the art of the film, which includes the voiceovers, which includes the black and white, which includes Berlin. Berlin as a movie set, as a movie place, is gorgeous to shoot. Now, John, you were saying when it went from black and white to color, it lit up. It still looked like yeah. the same yeah. Berlin. It didn't look, it just looked like but it, it was didn't look as it didn't look as desolate. Well, the whole the whole movie had a dark kind of yeah. cloudy German feeling to it. I mean, it really did. Yeah, because usually um, German movies are so much happier. Oh my God! Yeah, they just you know look you know. Um, isn't Emma oh. German film too? Is Emma German yes. film? Oh yeah, my God, Emma's Emma's a oh man, that's a great right. film. So, but Drew, I can understand the frustration mm. with this. I get it because I was feeling as much as I knew I liked this film. 20 years later watching it, I'm like, Oh Lord. Okay. I get it. They're whispering in their ear. Let's go. Let's move on. And let's go to, let's, I want to see what happens. Cause I forgot. I mixed up these two films. I thought he gets out. He comes down and he, she ends up dying in front of him. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I've got them. I got yeah. the two of them messed up. So I was waiting for that. But for me, it was all about Peter Falk. Oh yeah. That's what made it accessible for me. And it made the movie work for me as much as, and I, Bruno Gans. Listen, you talk about being Hitler, but it's the diamond broker in the counselor that really puts him on the map as far as I'm concerned. But no, Bruno Gantz is fantastic. And this, well, I don't know if this was his, I know what, well, it couldn't have been his first film. He must have been uh, around for a while, right? Yeah. yeah. Cause was he and the guy, friend? I, I don't, Chris, did you see this in the, in the background, the back stuff? Um, the, the old guy that's in the library. Mm-hmm. Is a man that uh, Bruno Gantz and the other guy who was his friend were doing a documentary that. about. Yeah, that guy is a, a famous storyteller or something in Germany oh. or was. Yeah, yeah, he's. Um, we're missing nuance by being Americans and being Americans, particularly of this time. I'm thinking we're missing a lot of the nuance that German audience would. Well, have think about that. That was sure. that was well, when the wall was up too. So you had two yeah. different Germanys as well. Yeah, I mean the, that that whole thing is way. If you on look everybody. at it, this film is about dualities. Sure, you know, the mortal, the immortal, the split thing, the young, the old, you know, and Berlin itself. I mean, you know, and and the change and the change of time as well. And and you know, isn't the color life, black and white? Yeah, and isn't life a lot of times uh, just pure boredom? Yeah, it can be. Look at I, what we're doing now. Well, the last year and a, yeah, this episode. Only our audience is bored. Yes. But, but Chris, Chris, if you're bored. There's so much Chris wants to jump about. in, Deb. Deb, yeah. let the new guy jump in. He wants to say something. <laughs> He's dying to say something. Well, I, I, I can say this. It's, it's, you know, I, like I said, I watched Far Away So Close, the sequel. And it's funny, while it's definitely an inferior film, in my opinion, I think you guys might like it more. It's got a uh, more plot. Um, and in this one, the, the second angel, Cassiel, comes down. He becomes human, but almost in kind of, he's thinking about it, but then this little girl falls off of a building and he becomes human and catches her and saves her. So it's almost like a, like a, like a, a reaction that causes him to do it as opposed to a well thought out plan. Mm-hmm. And he goes down the other side while you, you, you catch up with Damiel and he's living. He now has a child with, with Marion. He's, he's a pizza maker and, um, 
he goes down the other thing. He ends up becoming like a drunk and it, it robs people. <laughs> it's, it all goes very wrong for him. Um, but it's, it's, there's arms dealers and all sorts of stuff. But vendors talks about it in the commentary. He talks about how, you know, they never really expected the wall to come down when they were shooting, mm. um, you know, wings of desire. They didn't think the wall was going to come down in two or three years. Yeah. They didn't think that was going to happen. Um, but also one of the things he mentions is, is originally his thought was he wanted to just make a movie about Berlin. He wanted to make a movie about Berlin and Berliners. Um, and so, he thought about, well, you know, should I do a delivery guy or a fireman, somebody who meets a ton of people? And then he stumbled on this idea of angels because he wanted to talk about like people's internal thoughts and monologues and what a better way to kind of get at that. And that's what I really enjoyed about this film. And I know that voiceover can be um, tedious in a lot of ways, but I don't necessarily even think I consider this voiceover as much as just inner, inner thought because you know, you have these characters who are her talking and are thinking, yeah, sure. Um, and there is a lot of voiceover in it, but a lot of it is just, you know, the voice, you know, what's going on inside, inside of a kid's head or what's going inside of an old man's head as he thinks about his life and, and things like that. Um, I don't know. I found this movie, I, you know what? I just, I found it pretty much enthralling. Uh, it's, it wasn't the first vendors film I saw, Vin vendors film I saw. Um, but it was like, you know, the easily, it was the second, I guess. And, and, uh, I don't know. I was just, uh, entranced by it. How long after idea. this one? How long after this one did he do the sequel? Um, it was like six years. Yeah. 93. He, it came yeah. out in 93. Yeah. Far away. So close. I think that's, uh, yeah. Uh, and, I was uh, gonna, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I was just going to say that like, it's definitely a different film. In fact, he even laments in his commentary on far away. So close that it basically did relatively well across the world. But in Germany, he said it played for like two weeks and then everyone forgot about it. And obviously it, it, it pained him considering how well this film was received and how the second one, which is it, it, it suffers from sequelitis. The law of diminishing returns is there, in my opinion. I, I, like I, said, go, I wouldn't might, know. Yeah. I don't know how you go back to might, this well anyway. This, right. this one yeah. was one of a kind. You know, I was just thinking as you're saying all this and I'm thinking about the film and Drew's comment about narration. This is almost like a bad first time filmmaker college type film you think about films that i i think about films when i first started making them how pretentious you try to be like some of that stuff you know just the hands on the shoulders and and people talking and you know the way he shot it without having any of that dialogue that was all shot before that writer was writing mm -hmm. any of this stuff but it was in the hands of a guy who just I mean, the faces of all the people he uses, even the simple one, like the, the guy who gets in the car accident who's sitting, sitting as he walks up to him and he's just rubbing his thing. And even the kid with the headphones on jumping off the, everybody's memorable in this film, visually memorable. Uh, and they all have to show their pathos and their emotion through their face because nobody's talking. Literally nobody's talking really, uh, in this film until Bruno people comes down. Connecting. Until that Peter Falk. Is that people aren't connecting and the angels aren't connecting either. Yeah. But here's the interesting thing about this. Uh, the angels are watching. We're watching a movie, watching the angels watching, and then we're watching ourselves. Now. You know, talking about. When, you're wa when you're watching, you're, you're editing your own interpretation of the movie. What's, it's amazing how you, you're always watching yourself. 
you know, through the angels watching you and then the other characters, you know, the other people. It's, so, it's so this is really, this is really the precursor to inception then with dreams within dreams yeah. within dreams. And can you imagine the poor angels that are sitting next to all of us right now? Sitting through this, come on! They 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 gotta be like, move on. Let's. Just, well, like, I don't move. remember. I don't remember who said it. Um, I apologize about how we missed a lot of um, a context between the uh, fact that we don't speak German. Yeah. And also, I mean, this movie is really steeped in a lot of uh, German film history and German writing that I'm not that familiar with. Like, I know it's inspired by the poetry of uh, Rainer Maria uh, Rilke. He's an interesting guy, but I don't know his poetry very well. Um, it feels like it's out of a tradition of filmmakers like Fassbender and other people from, uh, you know, decades earlier. And the, the dedication at the end is to, um, uh, Ozu, Truffaut and Tarkovsky. Uh, I admit I don't see any Tarkovsky in this movie, but I, I like, I see what he's going for and he, he makes a good try at it. But Vim Vendors is, um, he's not that level of filmmaker to me, but I think it's nice that he acknowledges, you know, who has really inspired him and pushed him to tell these kind of stories. But, you know, there's, a, I mean, I'm sure there's lots of things that we miss just because we don't speak German. Do you think this is one of these films that you have to admit you like so you come off as cool? No, I'm very cool and I don't like it. I don't, I just, yeah. I'm you just probably wondering. should. You know, yeah. just throwing that out there. <laughs> I, you know, I used to have something called the Baltimore Film Club and sometimes we have like 30 or 40 people. We go out and every every monday night or every other monday night and um and we saw the movie howard's end mm-hmm. there were like 35 of us we're at the charles theater we always yeah. had in the circle do a thumbs up thumbs down and everyone was thumbs up and then this one writer chris sharf said come on you are only doing this because you're supposed to like it. let's uh, have chris. another vote and be uh-huh. honest and it was majority's thumbs down <laughs> <laughs> that's funny you know, so I under, I understand I understand the question completely. But yeah, I, 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 I'm saying it. I didn't like this nearly as much as when I remember it the first time. I, maybe I was trying to be pretentious then. I have no idea why Peter Falk, whatever. But once I read into, once I read all the background and stuff he did to create the film, then I was super impressed. And it now makes me want to go back and watch the film again, just based on the knowledge I have about how he filmed it, the history behind it, and what he was trying to do. Um, and, and the Criterion channel just has a ton of information about this particular, this particular film. Well, if you don't have, if you don't have Criterion, which is an excellent investment, they have an yeah. incredible catalog and all these extras. I, I watched it on, uh, HBO Max. Yeah. And I mean, the movie looks amazing. I'm yeah. sure it's as beautiful in Criterion, but a lot of people already have HBO and they don't realize how deep their library yeah. of foreign films and classic films are. And this movie does look really quite incredible, you know, on my 4K television, this movie that's, you know. Yeah, I bet it's beautiful. Yeah, and just let them know, it's on the TCM hub. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a lot of good TCM places hub. to get it. Yeah. It's, a, it's a very important film in film history, yeah. so it's going to show well, this And on YouTube, there's a 45-minute doc about the film. Oh, and uh, Vim Vendors is in there, and a lot of people. And uh, this is stuff he's talking about: the cinematographer using his grandmother's pantyhose as a filter or something. Just, oh, just the, the that tech, sounds very German. Actually. The tech behind this, the technology behind, and the, the the practices they used are just, and even just Peter Fox involvement is is a fascinating little aspect of this film. That's uh, it's a lot of fun. Did he ever talk about? It? I'm curious what he thought of it. Yeah, yeah he loved it. Well, he yeah, and apparently he did the sequel. He's in the sequel. 
Yeah. Apparently Germans love Columbo. Yeah. I read something and I don't, you know, I think this was on the IMDB page, but apparently he had such a good time making the movie and was so entranced with Berlin. He stayed. He stayed in Berlin for a week on his own nickel in case they needed to shoot some more stuff with it. Yeah. Like he just had that much fun there. He loved walking Um, around Berlin, just like walking around and looking at everything. Well, yeah, apparently in, what do you call it? Um, uh, Vendor said on one of his commentaries, he was like, yeah, well, it was kind of problematic. He'd be like, hey, can I, can I just duck out for 10 minutes? And then we'd be like, where is he? Uh, like 30 minutes, 40 minutes, an hour later, we're like, we can't find him. And it was because he had just gone off and started sketching something and just kind of got lost. And yeah, he like, just oh, has okay. that. There's just something super charming about him in this oh, film that, and between him and Bruno Gantz, that one scene they do where Bruno comes out of the thrift shop with that mm-hmm. crazy jacket and the hat. Oh, God. And he finds out that he paid, someone paid him $200 for a shield. 200 and, marks. Know, 200 marks. marks. And uh, however many years ago, 30 years ago, I got $500 yeah. from my, I just, in I New just York. Her, in New York, I got great. $500. Yeah, it's great. So, uh, do we want a yippee cut? What? Go ahead. One point, uh, one more point about this film. You know, I, I think what I love about this film is, um, so much so is it's sort of, you know, gray in its tone and sometimes i i am i just weird i like to be depressed sometimes um i enjoy it sometimes i wouldn't say weird i would say do you enjoy it because you like when you get out of it and how good that feels actually i uh like to be it's so weird and it's not like deep sadness but expressing sadness like on a rainy day you know when you have a rainy cloudy day and you're just feeling sad i love the rain it washes the memories off the sidewalk of life oh my gosh john who wrote that that's beautiful woody allen donald duck i thought wasn't that a uh, that was woody allen wrote that oh oh I thought it was Bugs Bunny. Well, it wasn't Bugs Bunny. That's just me. Listen, I, I like getting uh, the shin cramps in the middle of the night because uh, I know they're well, going to go away. That's so. why there is Debbie. no angel. There is no angel sitting behind Ralph. I'm just telling you right now. Okay, <laughs> Debbie. No way, Debbie. I think Debbie. I think it's very good that you want to engage with the whole spectrum of human emotion because some people don't do that, and I think it's important that you see that. And so I, I mean, just movies alone. I'll watch movies that I know will make me upset, make me cry, and it's it's very uh, powerful experience. And um, I'm glad that I've done it and I want to do it again with other movies. This movie didn't do it for me, but if it did it for you, then it must be very satisfying. Yeah. Polly Shore movies make me cry. I don't know why. Son in law. Son in law is a good one. Classic. No, it is. Listen, it's, I think the nice thing about films like this is it does, you do think about, like I thought about their, you know, the little things in life that keep you going and it's, you know, so, you know, all good. Should we rate this one? Yippee ki yay, yippee ki nay. Yeah, I think we should. Sean and Debbie, I know yours probably, right? Yippee ki yay. Yeah, John. I go yippee ki meh, uh, meh. And Drew, uh, I'm going to go yippee ki nay, but it's a very personal reaction. I mean, I don't care about angels or a lot of the stuff that undergirds the film, and then all the reasons it didn't connect with me. I talked about, but I still respect it, even if I don't think it's good and don't want to watch it again. It is yes. beautiful. I mean, it is yeah, beautiful. It's, it's a beautiful it's film. It is gorgeous. All yeah. right, guys. But you don't uh, want Chris's vote? He always he, he, he gave, gave, like, I gave it the oh, double okay. thumbs up. Yeah, it's right it's yippee ki yay. It's one of his second yeah. favorite Listen, films of all time. I mean, guys, we you know. I have complete yeah, control of this true. thing. I don't no, know why no you guys stretch there. That. Yeah. 
right, here we go. Let's spin for the next movie. Oh, now no. we got to drop someone off here. What was your, what was your Yippee Kaye rating, Ralph? Mine was up. Thumbs up. Okay. I don't know why. I don't know why, Ralph. You're on this wheel. You should you know not what? be on this wheel. You know what? You're off the wheel now. You, you shouldn't like be on this wheel. It's not okay. right. <laughs> Yeah, Damn it. there you go. Ah, there you go. Just, just had oh, to happen that way. I am going to tuck it to you on the next one. I'm telling you right now. I got a week to think about it. Yeah, you do. <laughs> you got a week. So. All, right, all right, everybody. Good one. Uh, nice film. I appreciate all the talk. It was all good information. Yeah. If there is an angel back here, I hope you enjoyed the show. Subscribe. Yeah. Uh, hit well, the can't, notification. He can't enjoy it because he doesn't that. have emotions, Ralph. Though, why are you now? If that? we ring that notification bell three times, does an angel get its wings? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does, Ralph. He does. <laughs> Clarence, Clarence. Clarence. Every time you hear, they, time you they, hear a wind they, chime, a soul. They do have right emotions. Now. That's the thing. Just, That's right. Right. They do have emotions, or else they would never. None of them would have ever chosen to be human. Right. They just got bored. Yeah. And there was a lot of them. Peter Fox said that. He goes, there's a lot yeah, of them. A lot of us out here. Well, if you here. watch that City of Angels, there's angels everywhere, right? Yeah. That thing, they, it's like well, the, the Matrix. How the, many the, angels? Scene, the one scene on the beach that they do watching the sunset mm. is beautiful mm. in that movie. Yeah. I love that scene in that movie. And I thought they were going to do it because they had that one scene that we were talking about sunrise, sunset, but they mm. never did anything with that. So I, I, I was like, they're going to be doing, cause they did it in the American version, which I really like. I like that. Who directed, who directed City of Angels? Was that Brad Silverling? I, I don't even know. That. I think that he was, was it. Yeah. Way yeah. to go, Brad. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's in the, he, he's in the YouTube documentary. So yeah, but did, he, did, did the director of this film have anything to do with that film? He wrote it. Well, he's the writer. That's it. Yeah. But it was that was it. On, he had, I don't he had nothing so. else to do with it. I, I don't know. Yeah. And the, both the actors, the angels are both dead, right? Uh, both those guys are dead. Is Bruno Gantz the lead actress? Bruno Gantz is definitely dead. And, and, and sadly, and, and Otto too. He died early. Oh, one other yeah. thing I want to say: the girlfriend, yeah, uh, the director's girlfriend who played the trapeze artist, didn't wasn't a trapeze artist. She learned she, that in no. eight weeks. She was yeah. she was amazing. And the they did it with they did it with no nets. Yeah, she did it. She did it uh, completely as as one would do it. Sadly yeah. enough, she she also. Is dead. She died yeah, at forty-five. Forty at forty-five. Wow. Yeah, it was two thousand and seven, yeah. or it was two thousand and seven. I don't know. I'm a huge fan of her. I don't. I. I don't know if any of you have ever seen his film Until the End of the World. If you thought this was slow and plotting, you may want to skip that one. That's <laughs> good though. I remember that one too as a younger man. I should watch it now. It'll probably kill me. Well, you could watch it two times. Like this, you could have watched it two times the speed, and it wouldn't change it at all. Well, that's true. It wouldn't have, because you know, right with all the subtitles. What was that? You could cut, you could cut most of, you know, Otto uh, Sanders' stuff out. But I know that character was very important to him, the the, the storyteller. Well, very important. Yeah. Yeah. Well, know? part of the thing was also not to keep belaboring this, but he he originally the deal with Otto Sander was he was a pretty popular actor at the time in Germany, and Otto wanted to do this thing where he came down and became human and started drinking and did all this stuff. But Vendors, who sometimes makes movies in a very odd way, was like, uh, you know, he really wanted to do this and we talked about it, but I had used up 80% of my budget at this point and I just didn't have the time. So part of the whole thing was when he made Far Away So Close was to allow this story idea that they had germinated together while making this other film. Um, and interestingly enough, though, for a bit of a sad, a little bit of, you know, that German sadness through line, um, you know, in the movie, uh, the Marion character is always talking about, you know, her loneliness and being alone and things like that. And 
kind of that fear of that. Um, and at the very, sadly enough though, at the end of Far Away So Close, she's also alone. Uh, not in a traditional way, but she's had a, she's married, uh, the Demiel character and they've had a, a girl. But it's become, it's so obvious that he is so completely in love with his daughter that she is, she even talks about how they have this special connection. And in the very last shot of the, the film, which is an amazing shot, if you ever get a chance to see it, um, she is alone on this boat and all the other characters from the film are on the boat too. But like, you know, the Damiel and his, his, his child who's like 10, they're together, but she's specifically alone. Everybody else is kind of with somebody, a friend or something. And she is specifically alone. And it's just kind of, it was like a little bit of bittersweetness. I thought to the end of that film, which admittedly, like I said before, is not as good, but, uh, but like I said, it has arms dealers in it, so you might find it a little bit more exciting. <laughs> than, you mean there might um, be a little more going on. Is that what you're saying? Less interesting. Well, hey, All right, everybody. Hey, I will. And uh, what's his name? Uh, I will Willem keep Defoe watching. Shows up too. <laughs> I'll keep my eye on all of you this for the next two weeks. All right, Lucifer. <laughs> that'll be that'll be my hand on your Lucifer shoulder, Morning Debbie. Star. Debbie, when you have uh, that, that little joy in your heart when you need it, that'll be me leaning on your shoulder, listening to your thoughts. So, just want you nice. to know. He's just right. hovering over the hot tub. <laughs> I'm just hovering. Look at the hot tub. <laughs> All right. All right, everybody. Have a good couple of weeks. John, let us know the movie in a little bit. Yeah, you got it. Norm McDonald, rest in peace. Yeah. R.I.P. Norm. Yeah, that's so sad. All right, guys. Have a good have a good time. Good good one. Have a good one.